Take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 14 this evening. Revelation chapter 14. As we get into this chapter, it's been a few weeks since we've been in the Revelation study, or the end time study is technically where we've been. Uh, but we've been in Revelations now for, this is about the 16th message just on the tribulation. And we looked at chapter 4 and chapter 5 a little bit, but uh, really Revelation 6 through right here uh, has been about uh, 16 messages all on the tribulation. And uh, we're about ready to turn the corner here and um, getting ready to enter into this, these next su- uh, subjects. We're going to be looking at the vile judgments coming up here in chapter 15 and 16. And then Babylon, we'll learn about that. Uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb, Armageddon, uh, the beast and the false prophet are cast into the lake of fire. Satan is bound for a thousand years. Uh, there's a millennial reign for a thousand years. Uh, and then Satan is loosed for a season. There's a battle of Gog and Magog. And then Satan is cast into the lake of fire. There's a great white throne judgment. And there's a new heaven and a new earth. And, and so we're about ready to turn the corner here uh, with chapter 14, uh, getting into these latter parts of the tribulation period. Again, let me just uh, uh, remind you, we looked at the church age, the rapture, the judgment seat of Christ, and now we're in this tribulation period uh, where we've been for 16 messages And um, we're getting on this latter part of the tribulation period now. And we have seen the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments. The next set of judgments are the vile, or you may see them classified as bowl judgments, depending on what book you might be reading. Our King James Bible calls them the vile judgments. And um, what I wanted to do is remind you where we have been. Um, hold your place in, in this 14th chapter this evening, but go back to chapter number 4. And since it's been a while, let's get caught up with each other. And I found these pictures after we had started this and, and uh, remind you of some of these, this artwork that depicts some of the events going on in the book of Revelation during the tribulation period. And as I told you, uh, these, this is art, it's work, it's artistry, uh, but uh, many, of the, many of these pictures are not beautiful because they're not describing or depicting beautiful events, but difficult events. But this one is in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. After this, John says, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, I will show thee things which must be hereafter. In chapters 2 and 3, there are seven letters to seven churches. And uh, after uh, these seven letters to seven churches, there's an invitation to come up to heaven, depicting the, tr- the, the rapture of the church and brought up into heaven. And um, this is where we will see the, uh, the four and twenty elders uh, around the throne of Emerald there. And we see that in verse number three. And it says, he that sat, sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne and its, its sight like unto an emerald. 
And, um, and then these are those four and twenty elders that we see down in verse number 10 of chapter number 4. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. And cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. And so chapter 4, our picture, our, de- our location is in heaven. Chapter number five, we're introduced to a a sealed um, book there. Um, Look what it says in verse number one of chapter five. And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And then the question is, who can open this? And this is where we find out in verse number 5, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. So we learn about those seven seals in chapter number 5, and then in chapter 6 and 7 we see those seals begin to be opened, these seal judgments. And it begins with the four horsemen. There's a white horse, there's a red horse, a black horse, and a pale horse. And we see all of those uh, there in chapter number 6 in the first eight verses. And then in chapter 6, verse number 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they had held. And so here are those slain martyrs. Uh, that, that we find there in, 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 in Revelation chapter number 6, and they're under the altar, and um, this leads us then to the wrath of God being poured out upon man, and this was the nature of, uh, of the world or of the earth uh, wreaking havoc on the earth. We see this in chapter 6 verses 12 through 17. And verse 17 especially says, For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? And we're reminded again of the wrath of God. We often want to speak of his love, the love of God, the mercy of God, the kindness of God, and all those things are true, but there is a wrath of God as well, and it will be unleashed on this earth one day. This led us to chapter number 7. We'll talk about these folks again this evening in chapter number 14. But in chapter 7, verses 4 through 8, we're introduced to the 144,000 witnesses that will not receive the mark of the beast. They'll have the mark of God upon them. And they will be 144,000 Jewish witnesses, 12,000 from 12 different tribes that will be God's servants and missionaries here on earth during the tribulation period. We'll speak more of them this evening as we get into chapter number 14. This leads us to chapter number 8. And in chapter 8, we're introduced to the seven angels with seven trumpets, having the seven trumpet judgments. And uh, uh, they are in chapter 8 and 9 and 10. And then all the way over into chapter number 11, we're introduced to the two witnesses. They're like these olive trees. And we talked about who those witnesses could be. Moses and Elijah tend to be the the, uh, primary thoughts on that, but we don't know for sure. And then the two witnesses, after they were put to death in chapter number 11, uh, they are raptured out 
there uh, in chapter 11, verses 7 through 12. Then in chapter number 12, we're introduced to the red dragon. And we're also introduced in that chapter to, um, you can't see her there, but there's a woman at the top of that, of that picture, above that moon. Uh, look at chapter number 12. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. Uh, verse number 3, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, dragon having seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns upon his heads. And then in verse number 5, she brought forth a man-child. And so we learned about these three, these three individuals there in chapter number 12. The woman is Israel, the red dragon is Satan, and that man-child is Jesus Christ. And so that was in chapter number 12. We see there was war in heaven in chapter number 12. I believe it's in verse number 7. And then in chapter uh, 12, verse 14, uh, the woman uh, says she, is, she gets eagle's wings and she's able to escape into the wilderness. And then at the end of chapter number 15, uh, this red dragon uh, it says the serpent there in verse number 15 cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And so they escape into the wilderness and apparently there's going to be some type of flood during that time. But the earth is going to swallow up the water and protect the nation of uh, this woman as they are out there. And this leads us then to chapter number 13 where there are three more characters in this one. There's the red dragon against Satan. But there in verse number 1 of chapter 13, we see that it says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And so here's this beast out of the sea, referred to as the beast. But in other portions of the scripture, we believe this to be the individual described or named the Antichrist. Uh, but in the book of Revelation, he's referred to as the beast out of the sea. And then later in this chapter, in verse number 11, there's a beast coming up out of the earth. Verse number 11 of chapter uh, 13, there's a beast coming out of the earth, and this would be the false prophet. And so this is this unholy trinity, Satan, the beast and the false prophet, or Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. That'll lead us all the way into chapter number 15, where we'll see these vile judgments, and they'll be described for us in chapter 15 and 16, these seven different judgments of God's wrath upon uh, the earth. And so that's where we have been and where we're getting ready to get into but tonight we're in chapter number 14. Um, I'm going to read just the first five verses tonight and then two other verses or portions of two other verses in this chapter. Uh, let's read the first five verses here. It says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount, uh, on the mount Sion, and with him in hundred and forty and four thousand, having the Father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder, and I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne, 
and before the four beasts of the elders. And no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Notice in verse number one it says, And I looked. And then notice in verse number six, he says, And I saw. And then again in verse number 14, And I looked. This chapter, chapter 14, is divided into three sections, and those would be our three markers for those three sections. In verse number 1 through 5, he says, And I looked. And what we'll see here, he saw the Lamb, and he saw the 144,000 witnesses. In verse number 6 down through verse number 13, John says, I saw. And in here you'll see three angels with three messages. And then in verse number 14 down to the end of the chapter, he again says, I looked. And in that passage we'll see it's harvest time. You're going to see different elements of the harvest in those last sections of this chapter. So my goal this evening is I want to look at the first section tonight and then next Wednesday we'll finish up chapter 14 without such a long review and we'll consider the last two sections of chapter 14. But this evening, uh, the Lamb and the 144,000 witnesses. Again, John says, And I looked, and lo, a Lamb stood on the Mount Sion. Now back in chapter number 4, we saw the Lamb. In chapter number 5, we saw the Lamb. And the Lamb was in heaven. And so we believe the scene that we're looking at here is back in heaven at this time. It's a heavenly view that John is viewing now, that he is looking at. And so here he is, and he sees the Lamb upon Mount Sion, and with him the hundred and forty and four thousand. Let me first of all mention about this scene in heaven. It does seem as you go through the book of Revelation, a lot of difficult things. It's not an encouraging book overall. Lots of judgment, lots of difficulties, lots of uh, uh, verses depicting the wrath of God upon the earth, upon man. You see man rejecting God over and over. It can be discouraging if you're just reading it in that fashion. But every once in a while, the Lord brings back a picture of heaven. And he interjects it in these various places. We see the negativity and then there's a picture and we get a sight of heaven. And, and listen, to get a sight of heaven is an encouraging thing. You ever go through some difficult times and you're going through some hard times and we know this world is full of tribulation and it's good for us to be reminded about heaven. And to remember that this is not what we all uh, have to look forward to. We had a wonderful service here on Monday. Uh, for um, longtime member, charter member Bob Lloyd. And uh, great, great reflections. Pastor Edwards came back and preached a wonderful gospel message and, and talked about a friend and what you would say about a friend and had several men give some good memorials on Bob. And it was just an encouraging message. And more than one of them mentioned the difficulties that that man had endured through the years and that family had endured through the years. 
And Bob had a lot of difficulties in his life. And do you know today that Bob's in heaven and all those difficulties are behind him now? He, they, they're not at the forefront of his mind. That man carried a lot of burdens through the years, didn't he? A lot of difficulties that he had to hold on to and, and talked about how he kept that family together through all those difficulties. And today he's in heaven and he doesn't worry about one of those things anymore. I think about my mom in those last days of her life, and they were difficult, and they were hard. She didn't get good care. I think about my father-in-law in those last moments of his life, gasping for air. And yet they're in heaven today, and those things are the farthest things in their minds. It may be what I think about still. It may be what I get frustrated, but not my mom. I think of that old hymn, it will be worth it all when we see Christ. The difficulties of this life, the, the, the troubles of this life, and even here in the book of Revelation, and all the difficulties, and then you think about heaven. And John was able to take his view off of the difficulties that he was viewing, the, the negativity that he was seeing, and look at the Lamb for a moment. And I'd encourage you as we go through the difficulties of this life, don't forget about the Lamb of God. Don't forget about heaven. Don't forget about your eternal home, your real home, where you'll be one day. But also we see, not only does he see the Lamb in heaven, but he notices these 144,000 witnesses. Now the last time we saw them was back in chapter number 7. We don't know how they got to heaven. Uh, there's no description of it that I know of in the book of Revelation or elsewhere. Uh, how they left earth and, and why they're there. We don't know if they were raptured out, if they've been uh, uh, put to death, what ha happened. But now we see the 144,000 have arrived in heaven. 12,000 from the 12 different tribes of Israel that were mentioned there in chapter number 7. They're all here. They're all accounted for. And we'll notice several things about these individuals. Notice, first of all, they're worshiping. Uh, there's a song that they are singing. It's a song that only they can sing. He says, And I heard a voice from heaven, as the voice of many waters, and the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps, and they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne. Oh, it reminds us what heaven's going to be like. It is a place of worship. We're going to be there uh, when we first arrive and we're going to begin to worship. And in 10,000 years, we're still going to be worshiping. And in another 10 million years, we're still going to be worshiping the Lamb of God. And we will not grow weary of it. We will not grow faint of it. It will be something that we will continue to do. We saw it in Revelation chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. We see it all the way back in the Old Testament as Isaiah saw that great vision in chapter number 6 and saw those angelic beings who were crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy. And so we see these 144,000, their worship of them. We also notice the purity of the 144,000. There in verse number four, these are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. Now some believe that this perhaps is only a picture or a typology here. 
that they may have not been true virgins, and I don't know if that helps or hurts, or uh, it doesn't bother me that they're virgins here. It seems like to me they wouldn't say that, but I think the point they're trying to drive across here is that there is, they're separated, they're sanctified, they're a pure people, they're, they're a spiritual, they're a godly people, and God is using them during this time. And so this is a highlight of their purity or of their spirituality. Certainly a great reminder for us who God wants to use. Those that are separated, those that are sanctified, set apart for the master's use. We notice not only their worship and their purity, but we notice their faithfulness there in verse number four. They're picking up. In the middle of that verse, these are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto the God and unto the Lamb. Their faithfulness, following God whithersoever he goeth. We see their firstfruits there in verse number 4 as well. I just read it again. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. I'm assuming this means that they perhaps are the first fruits of the tribulation saints, the first called home from the tribulation, those that have given their lives. I'm not certain, but it's referring to them in this fashion in their first fruits. Notice their conversation in verse number five, the conversation of the 144,000. It says, and in their mouth was found no guile. Uh, nothing that is impure, nothing that is corrupt, nothing that is impure. Their conversation, their talk is a pure talk. I'm reminded of the passage in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. We studied uh, oh, a couple of years ago out of the book of James, and we st- studied about the power of the tongue. Isn't it amazing how powerful the tongue is? What, it, what, what, what good it can accomplish and what hurt it can do? You ever said some things and you wish you could take them back? Said something to somebody and, and it was a corrupt word, it was a negative word, it was a hurtful word? These individuals, they had a, 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 their conversation was pure. There was no guile found in their mouth. By the way, they were out giving the gospel out. They were out preaching the word of God. They were giving that which uh, probably was not being received by many. We've seen how people have rejected God continually throughout the tribulation period. And yet these people continue to have this pure conversation. And then we notice the righteousness of the 144,000. For they are without fault before the throne of God there in the end of verse number 5. Now their righteousness is not because of them. And nor is our righteousness because of us. I believe Marcus tonight when he began his prayer mentioned Uh, Our righteousness is not because of us, but because of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21, what does it say? He that knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God 
in him. Isn't that an amazing thought that when God sees me, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ? As one of his children, as somebody that's been made righteous by the works of God, by the, by the works of Jesus Christ, God sees me as a righteous individual. He doesn't see my sin, he doesn't see my mistakes, but he sees the righteousness of Christ. And these 144,000 witnesses, they were a righteous group. Now, as we look here, we look just getting ahead here just a little bit. In verse number 6, he sees something else now. Another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Have you heard that recently? Have you heard about the grace of God and the goodness of God? We're to get out to every kindred, tribe, and tongue. And here's another spot where we see that, that God getting his glory out. Even during these last days of the tribulation period, God still getting his glory to be known, trying to extend his grace. And that's where we'll pick up next Wednesday. And we'll look at verse number 6 down through the end of the chapter at these next two looks or these next two things that John sees We'll see, first of all, the three angels with three messages. And then finally, we'll look at the harvest as it is pictured in verses 14 down through verse number 20. So this evening, we'll conclude chapter number 14, our study tonight with this thought here on these 144,000. And uh, uh, look at those characters, characteristics that they all possessed in their lives. Father, thank you for the night. Thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you for the rapture, Lord. Thank you, God, that we'll be out of here before these events take place. But Lord, help us to, uh, Lord, to be faithful to you bef- uh, prior to this, God, and to be faithful to get the gospel out, to let your glory be known both here locally and around the world. Would help us to tell as many people as we can about Jesus before that rapture, Lord. Uh, Lord, it's uh, for those folks to go into the tribulation period, Lord, what an awful time that will be. And many and most will reject you. And uh, Father, will follow the Antichrist, and follow that false prophet, and fall into the lies and the deceit of Satan. And Father, eventually spend an eternity separated from you in hell. So Lord, help us to be faithful to get your message out. Lord, I pray that you'd watch over us this evening as we go to our separate homes. And uh, Father, watch over us throughout the remainder of this week. Help us to be faithful servants for you. Bring us back on Sunday, Lord, ready to worship and serve you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you Sunday.